What is up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Panthers Nation Network. Season 6 premiere. That is crazy to say. I say that every season, but that that that's crazy to say. I, I, again, I say it every season, too. I can't believe folks are still listening. <laughs> I can't believe folks started listening. That was my biggest thing. I can't believe folks actually started listening to us with zero marketing and zero reasons to listen. And people just started yeah, listening. Yeah, I can't be more proud of it. Yeah, I, I mean, like I say shout out to everybody that still listens. I, I mean, I appreciate the people that su- that support the show. Obviously, you know, the people that helped our, you know, this past season probably be our best season yet, you know, as far as numbers wise. I mean, we did great, and it was all because of the fans, all because of the night. I won't, I won't call them fans, but just the people that support. Honestly, I appreciate all of y'all for that for sure. Because you the guys Panthers gave us the best soap opera of a season to talk about. And, yeah, when you uh, guys at season six, I'm at season two, so I feel like a newbie all over again. So it's all good. And we have absolutely loved having you, man. And so we'll we'll address the elephant in the room. So obviously, Jason came on full time this year. Jeff had to step away from what he was doing, you know, earlier this year. And so also, for longtime listeners uh, who've been with us from the beginning, or you know, followed us especially in the off season, um, I'm sure you probably noticed in the last few episodes, and you know, especially this past season, that that Tyler Bursky had not been coming on as much. Um, and uh, he had decided to take, you know, what he wants to do in a different direction, step away from this side of the of, of the aisle when it comes to, to, to doing things online, having a presence, you know, that kind of stuff. He wants to step up and do something different, the other side of the coin. And um, he, he started this, <clears throat> he started this thing. It's kind of funny, you know, we, um, when Chantix and I got started, we, we told the story a couple times, but um, when we reached out to by the first play, the first company that wanted to put this together, they already had Tyler. They already had this kid from the middle of nowhere, upstate United <laughs> States, just all up in the north. We had never met him before. They already had him. He'd been writing for their website for their draft mockups for a while, and they wanted him to do a podcast for the Panthers, and they had brought on Jeff as well to do it with him. And they wanted another person. That's when I was. They came to me, and I said, "All right, well, I got a package deal. You want me? You got to bring Shantice on with me." So from then on, it was me, Shantice, and Tyler and Jeff from freaking 2019 pre-pandemic. Yeah. And yeah. he was with us ever since. We had, ne- and we still have yet to meet him. And don't worry, we're going to meet him. The, the reunion is gonna happen. But um, well, I guess the, the introduction is going to happen. But to, to start off the episode, we just wanted to say how much we appreciated Tyler, uh, whether he's listening or, you know, doing his own thing right now. We have appreciated everything he did for this podcast. He was the the lifeblood of our off seasons, especially when it came to the draft, when it came to scouting, when it came to college. He lived and breathed that stuff. And you could see it in his recordings. He was, you know, really quiet when he started out. And it was funny because we didn't know how it was going to interact. And we saw him grow over that time frame. And he was such a sneakily funny guy that could make you laugh, you know, without you realizing what you were laughing about. And, of course, his his tutelage and his love for Jimmy Clausen never failed to make us smile. So we wish him the best. And I'll let Shanti, you know, say his piece, too. Absolutely, man. Just just to start off, man, Tyler's one of the best young football minds I've, ta- I've actually got a chance to talk to. You know, I mean, you – you know, people say that, and I think people use it loosely. I'm like, no, nah, this kid has a very great understanding of the game, a great understanding of what happened before he started watching, what's happened during, and what's going to happen after. Uh, I think he helped me out a lot as far as how I approach, how, how I watch tape, and how I actually, you know, watch the game of football. And I mean, that's being for somebody younger. I mean, that that's how intuitive this kid was, and how and how greatly, you know, his um his his, his how great his impact was for us. And I, again, like you said, I appreciate everything he did from a content perspective 
for a for a guy that wasn't used to being on mic and used to being on camera, he adjusted well, adjusted quickly. Um, like I said, man, from from everything he's done, I I can't wait to see what he does in the future. Uh, you know, we'll always be supporters over here on this side. I'm still waiting on my John Carroll merch. I have not forgotten about that, Tyler. I promise you. <laughs> and I, I promise you that. And um, but yeah, for, but but here's the thing for. For whatever happens next for Tyler, bro, you'll always have fans over here on this side of it. Um, I'll, we'll, all, you'll, we'll always be supporters of you, man, and just good luck in the future. Absolutely. You know, like I said, he, we, with him and Shantice and Jeff, we had people that actually played college ball, not just, you know, just me talking out, you know, talking on the mic. We had people that understood the game and still do. And like you said, you hit the nail on the head. He had an insane understanding of the technical side of football. Just the perspective that he had at his age was ridiculous. So we will always – always cherish the fact that we got to be able to have those episodes with him and the great part about the podcast is if we ever miss that we can go back and listen to it we can go back all the way to the beginning and listen to those episodes they're buried somewhere in the vault there but uh kicking off season six we were waiting to see you know how it was going to come through we had of course the emergency episode when frank reich got the job and we said there you know we were all kind of not skeptical per se but we wanted to know how it got to that point what was said behind closed doors and i gotta say if this was the the plan that Reich brought to Tepper, if he had this list put away and said, I got these guys already planned out, it is no surprise in my mind that that he got this job. I'm sorry. Like, I, it, it's just been crazy to see what's the, how he's gone scorched earth in the last two weeks. Yeah, that I couldn't have expected a, a, a cast like this. I mean, you talk about, you know, guys that, we thought we that you would think or you that we don't need to get those guys. We don't have a chance to get some of these guys. We we last year you talk about we were begging people to come be our offensive coordinator last year. Now we have a young high offensive coordinator in Thomas Brown, a guy that people really like and, and that's rising through, that was rising through the NFL ranks, a defensive a defensive coordinator that coached a stellar defense in Denver. And position coaches that have all had great experience in this league at, at a professional level, whether it be coaching or whether it be as a player, and this is—I mean, this is the Avengers staff of, co- of coaches that that we put together. I mean, the next thing to see now is who do they choose as their quarterback, which will pretty much set the precedent for how we should view this season moving forward. No, I agree with the whole team. You know, with everything you guys have said, I mean, you look at it from the top down. I mean, we got NFL experience from players to coaching, to assistance, to to somebody being a consultant. I mean, you've got Super Bowl winners. You've got people who've been in the trenches on Super Bowl teams. I, I think this is a phenomenal win for Frank Reich. I think to your point, Jack, we always discuss, I think we did it on the first episode, you know, from the emotional standpoint, once you took the emotions out of it and you looked at Frank Reich as a whole, what was he truly bringing to the table? And if this was his blueprint, you can't be nothing but excited from a Panthers perspective. And it's funny, and you, you don't want to – we want to temper off our expectations, of course, because it, it's it's us. It's the Panthers fans. It's the Panthers. We don't want to do that. And it's weird to be excited about assistant coaches. I can't tell you the last time I was excited about assistant coaches. I don't even pay attention when Rule got the job about, you know, who he was going after. We knew the Brady hire was flashy. We knew that, you know, that was something that could provide something good to talk about. And then, of course, you know, you had Phil Snow, and you're like, who in the world is this? And when he was hiring coaches, we were just praying that someone had more experience as an NFL coach than our head coach had because he had none to show for it. And we were scared about what was going to go on. And then, like we said last year, you know, we were begging people to be our offensive coordinator, begging them to say, hey, we needed to get somebody in here. 
And, you know, that's where I think especially Wright could have made the easy hire. You already have Caldwell. You're already there. Jim Bob Cooter was right there. And I thank the Lord that I don't have to say that name and I don't have to continue to bring light to that on the podcast. But, no, he went a different way. And I think that especially Thomas Brown, I was looking a lot at him. He's been over, you know, I think it's 12 or 13 different coaching staffs, college and NFL, different roles, Georgia, Miami, South Carolina, L.A. And then I want to say he was on, I believe it was the Browns. There, There's a couple more. I got to I got to look into that again. Um, he's got, you know, just a plethora of coaching experience in different roles. And when you know that more than likely Frank's probably going to be the one making those calls, when you see why Brown was hired and you hear from guys like Sean McVay, Aaron Donald, you know, Cam Akers talking about the role he brought to the team on the practice field as a leader of men and as a developer of personalities. You see why that pairing could work so well when you have a guy that has that explosive offensive mindset and then the guy who can mold it and say, here's the place we can call with that. Absolutely. And I mean, another guy on the offensive side of the ball, Sean Jefferson, who, uh, you know, obviously he was coached from the Los Angeles Rams. Son is Van Jefferson. I just got to say, man, I'm just kind of intrigued to see a guy that worked with Cooper Cup and help him get to that 2,000-yard mark and have such a he worked with a guy like DJ Moore? How does a guy like Terrace Marshall progress under under him? Whoever we decide to draft, whether it be a, a guy like a possum, like a Zay Flowers out of, out of Boston College, a cat like that, you know, or... You know, if, if if things go a certain way, I mean, you got certain guys that may that that the other guys that may fall as well. I mean, what uh, what's the kid Josh Downs out of North Carolina? I mean, you got guys like that that, that could possibly fall that that could, that would get a chance to work with a with a receiver coach a receivers coach like that. Um, I'm intrigued, man. I mean, like I said, I mean, I, I, intrigued wasn't it wouldn't even be the word. I'm excited, but I, like you say, we still have to temper the expectations because we still have to see how they're gonna build this roster out from the from the inside out and. Who and again at the, at the end of the day, the question still remains: Who's going to be throwing the ball to these guys? But I mean, as of right now, I mean, I, I feel confident at least about the staff, at least, which is the more than what we could say for the previous three seasons that we did this podcast. No, no, without question, I think two names. I'm, well, two names I'm really excited about are Camping and Deuce Staley coming in. You know, Camping, proven proven leader at the offensive line posi- uh, coordinator position has done wonders with, with, with his teams in the past and his lines in the past. But one person I'm really excited for is Drew Staley. I want to see what he can do with our running back room and how he can actually branch that off and make them be a little bit more powerful, a little bit more engaging. And one intriguing part on the offensive side that I do, I'm kind of skeptical about, but I'm kind of I'm kind of interested to see how it comes about is Josh McCown. I want to see what he does as a quarterback's coach. You know, he's got the longevity being, being, a, being in the league. He's, won, he's gone from team to team. He was even a Panther at one point in time. But also with that, I mean, just his experience and the way you've ta- heard him talk as a vet, just who he is as a person. I'm really interested to see what he can bring to that quarterback's room along with Thomas Brown to see what they can bring, bring to the forefront at the bank on every Sunday. Look at Josh McCown's already got – he's already got co- coaching experience with how long he's been on the sidelines in this league. He's already got at least two years of quarterback coaching experience under his belt. So I'm not worried True. about him coming in. I mean, that's basically a step down for maybe if Ryan Fitzpatrick wanted to be a head coach or wanted to be a, a, a quarterback's coach. That's pretty much what you're getting. And I think that is an interesting hire. And that's what was crazy from Reich is that and, – and Tepper as well. We'd seen it. It was always a weird thing. You know, Tepper seemed like he was off the field 
when he first got here, prioritizing North and South Carolina, you know, trying to put the emphasis in whether it fell through or not. Mm-hmm. You know, it's pretty timely there. They just started the demolition on the, uh, on the practice facility out in Rock Hill that just yeah. started coming down and we're going to, we're hearing what that's going to be. But one of the things he did, especially too, when we came into the draft and Fitter helped to facilitate this as well, you saw more North and South Carolina guys being picked up. I mean, I can't remember the last time, <clears throat> you know, we had two South Carolina guys drafted in the same draft and, and yeah. guys that have still having an, you know, not like, you know, Pharaoh Cooper, like it's still guys that are having an impact on the team. You know, it's not a Demir Bird, it's Shy Smith. And then you got J.C. Horn. I mean, we've had times where there's been multiple Gamecocks on the field at one time or another, but then you've got other guys as well. And now that's even facilitated to going further with guys that have had impact on the Carolinas, both as players and coaches. Obviously, of course, Frank Reich and Josh McCown are easy ones to talk about. But then, like you said, the coaching side, and you got Deuce Staley, and you have Thomas Brown, both people who have had impact and coached at South Carolina and played at South Carolina, one of them whom played at South Carolina, and Brown, of course, playing at Georgia. So that's another thing that, I don't know, It's it doesn't necessarily hold a lot of strategic value, but it does show a sense of Tepper trying to, you know, still have dedication to the area and, and, and knowing what all they could provide to the area. I mean, I think Tepper listened to a lot of the critique he was getting over the past few years. I mean, I, he said he did. I mean, he, I mean, he caught. I mean, he caught. I mean, we were the basement dwellers at one point, but shout out to the basement because the boy listened. And honestly, I mean, I, I'll give kudos to Tepper on this. I mean, they, they, for guys in that position, we know how people with, with, with a certain level of status and power get when they. When they get pushed back, sometimes they don't want to adjust. Sometimes they, you know, it's, and rarely do they actually make the adjustments and improve. He was able to look at whatever, look at everything people have said about him and what the coaching staff that he had put the, that he had hired did the exact opposite. I think shout out to Scott Fritter for having a chance to go get his guy and Frank Reich and, and I think they got a bunch of blank checks and said, "Look here, man, whatever it takes to get these guys on the staff, get it done." And that's the investment I think everybody's been waiting on. We saw the investments with bringing the soccer team to, you know, the, to Charlotte, you know, one to have host, host big events on a regular here at, here at Bank of America Stadium. But we were looking for the investment on the football side. When was that going to happen? I think this this was the first time I feel that we all can agree, like, he's all in on making the football side work. And, I mean, and you, put together, you put together a stat that at least on paper looks great. We'll see how it works out. But – we can at least see the effort is there, and I think that's all fans really wanted to see that there is a concerted effort to make this work. Jason, yeah, I'm not going to go cut real quick because I think the best case scenario, Shanti, is like you're talking about. I think the best case scenario, you look at Ugly Sonic. You, you remember Ugly Sonic? You remember Ugly when they when they yes. did oh, yeah, 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 Ugly Sonic? Remember yeah. Ugly Sonic? What happened? Yeah, very creepy. Yeah, yeah very creepy looking yeah, cat. Bullying works. <laughs> the Twitter bullied an um, entire movie studio to delay the release of the movie restart and make sonic look good now they got two movies with a third on the way that's the ceiling for us we had our ugly sonic matt rule brought ugly sonic with his teeth and his and his human nose and now they're taking their time they said hold on let's try this again this the, the, the ceiling is two movies with a, with a with a third in the in the works that is what we could have there and that yeah. on paper is what i hope translates to on the field now jason what? no no <laughs> no, no, you're your fine. <laughs> no you're fine you're fine no i would say i, I don't know if I'm bought in on the fact that Tepper was the main, he's listening to everything. I think Tepper was just trying to make some smart business decisions to everybody's point. I think, yes, on paper, we look good, but there's still that underlying 
Carolina Panthers theme of we get so excited at what we see on paper and then what we see come to fruition, it just doesn't match. And so I just want to make sure that to you, to everybody's point that we are tempering our expectations. But what I will tell you is what I see on paper from the years spent, the, the people we have on the staff, there's a good blend of veteran leadership. There's a good blend of head coaching um, history. There's a good blend of former players who have now been coaches for quite some time, who have proven histories with not only, um, I would call it blue collar uh, football, but also blue chip football teams and organizations. So understand how organization works in and out. And then you bring in Jim Caldwell. I mean, bar none was the biggest surprising sign for me in that he interviewed for the head coaching job and then came back as a consultant. Now we know that money talks, but at the end of the day, him, his presence being in the building, his influence overall on the team, I think is going to bode well going forward. The man has two Super Bowl rings with two very, very good uh, football organizations. Um, I, I think, I think uh, to be honest with you, I don't think I've been this excited for any coaching staff since Ron Rivera. And even with Ron Rivera, there were a bunch of unknowns. This, These are known names and also a bunch of young up-and-coming stars in Evero, in, in, in the OC. Um, I, I think we, we we have every right to bang on our chest and say, not only do we have one of the most diverse coaching staffs, but we have a great blend across the ages. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that is the key right there. And I think I think there I still will see a little bit more to temper and fitter, you know, making his voice heard as well. Because one of the bigger things we know is that, you know, especially during the Matter Rule era, the 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 last regime of players felt ostracized, not even showed up to practice to the point where the minute he was fired, you saw Keekley and T D and Jonathan Stewart come out of practice that next day. But even taking a step further, and this is one of the te- things Tepper first did when he got to the lead, when he got the team, was to try to bridge the gap and acknowledge the, the 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 first regime, you know, the cardiac cats. He brought the Ring of Honor, which he hasn't done anything with since doing so. So I'll be interested to see if that maybe makes another appearance this year. But in what he did, because you talk about it, Frank Reich, you talk about Dom Capers. That was my biggest shocker. I knew he had the connection there, but that was still out the window for me. What that does, though, you're you're making an effort to say, hey, we know what built the Carolinas and what built the Panthers, and it was these guys too. So I think that could facilitate even more of the old, you know, the, the first guard coming to still have a connection with the Panthers. I think you'll start to see some of the merch that Shantice has on coming back into the fold. I love with the era of alternate helmets and alternate uniforms to bring in some sort of new 90s-centric kind of uniforms. I would love to see that. But then the other thing I think of when I think of, you know, as a business decision, like you talked about, Jason, the fact that he turned, he flipped three, him and Fitterer flipped three head coach interviews Two coaches on the staff, that is something that needs to be talked about more because that is ridiculous when you flip three head coach candidates and you get two of them still on your staff. Bro, it's, it's insane. I mean, like I said, like you said, uh, Jason, shout out to getting Jim Caldwell, a guy that I've been feeling that need another opportunity as a head coach. Didn't, I thought, undeservedly got fired from Detroit when he was putting together the most consistent seasons that they've had in a long time there. Uh, Ivero, another another one of those another one of those hot defensive coordinators alongside guy like D'Amico Ryan. I think he's just waiting for his opportunity. And I mean, the fact that you got him to, to leave Denver, that Denver's a great situation. You look at the the young roster they have there; that's a great situation. And I think Carolina's a good situation too. Don't get don't don't get it twisted. But there was really no reason for him to have to leave 
and like you said, and if, for them to figure out how to, how to flip them and to get guys that you interview. You know what I'm saying? That, that that's that's probably that's probably the biggest thing I've seen. I I don't think we've ever seen anything like this as far as far as being able to grab guys that you once interviewed and, and being able to keep keep those guys on staff. Now, with that being the case, I don't think these guys will be on the staff very long. But look, we're in it for we're in it for a good time, not necessarily a long time. We know how this goes. Hopefully, they can contribute whatever is necessary for us to be successful. But again, shout out to Scott Fritter. Right now, he's He's had a lot to prove this offseason because, I mean, the questions that there have been a lot of questions about him. We've raised some. The fan base has raised some about, about like, you know, now that it's his turn, can he do this the right way? Can he build this thing the right way that we, you know, the, the, the way we want to see it? And so far, so good right now. I mean, the, the names ring off. But like, like you said, we, we, we still have to wait. But I think everybody in that building's got a little chip on their shoulder to, to, to prove a little bit more to the rest of the fan base that, hey, look, like we're legitimate right now. Yeah, and I think another thing that makes us active, right, is, you know, the NFC South is wide open. So for us to come in and make a stamp with the coaching staff that we have in place, it's going to attract even more talent to us. I mean, you talk about Evero, we talk about, you know, the knowns of Josh McCown and Deuce Staley and Thomas Brown. But even with D'Angelo Hall coming in, I mean, D'Angelo Hall coming in as an assistant defensive backs coach, I wasn't a fan of his as a as a as a player, but I will tell you he is respected amongst them. I I, I will say that. I mean, I think it's it's something for him to at least get his teeth into coaching. It's gonna be interesting to see how he comes to pass with that. I know there's a lot of mixed feelings about it, but I still think he can connect with some of those younger players in the back. And Avero coming from who, where he came from, you know, he's from the Gruden tree. You've got you've got Caldwell and him from the Dungeon Tree. You've got Deuce Staley who who won with Peterson. So you've got a lot of good a, a lot of good lineage in there. Again, you talked about Dom Capers. Um, I'm, I'm I'm back and forth over Dom Capers. I I know who he was and what he means to the Panthers. I know what he did in Green Bay. I'm still kind of teetering on that, but he did help Evero in Denver. So I, I get I get the connection there. But I I, I think overall I think we are going to be able to attract a lot of talent with the, with the coaching staff we have in place, which is key in recruiting. That's the thing that I think I want to see, you know, whether it is in the off season or, I mean, you know, the draft, we know that's going to be fine. The off season and with bringing in some of these bigger names, because you're right, John T's, unfortunately we're in another aggravating catch 22 of needing to be patient because a coaching staff can't gel in one season, or at least it very rarely does so to the point where it allows for success to the very end. But then also you want to make best of what you have while you have it, because if it does well, it's not going to last that long. So that's where we're in this really odd spot of we, I, you know, we need that success now, especially like you said, with the way that the NFC South is sitting right now, you are in prime position to take over and take over in a in, in an insane fashion. But then again, it's like how, you know, what's the timeline? How we have to be realistic, of course, with how this is coming in, because very rarely, unless it's, you know, Brian Dable and just the perfect situation there in New York or even in, you know, in Detroit, they, that still wasn't, you know, it was at least two years before that really hit its footing and still <clears throat> hasn't hit its stride yet. It's still going upward. It's going to need that third year for Dan Campbell to really hit its, you know, its sweet spot. And so I think that's what, you know, the the fans of, of Charlotte, who are always so patient, they're always so patient. So I know they're going to be patient. They didn't run James Borrego out of Charlotte. So I'm, I'm sure they're not going to do the same to Frank Reich. And so, you know, that's what they're going to have to, we're going to have to realize as Panthers fans is, hey, this is going to take some time. And 
I think that Tepper will be much more, you know, patient with what is going on now because Frank's not coming in and promising some sort of seven year plan to to change what's going on. I think he had his levels. You know, he talked about his levels, he talked about his goals that, you know, were base level winning record, base level winning the division, base level a wild card playoff spot. Like that was the the floor. Um and I hope that he can facilitate that and bring that about. Um it's just like I said, it's and so we'll talk about the Angel because there's so many names on this coaching staff that bring up their own talking points. I mean, you can talk about Dom Capers. One of I need to do research on this and how many head coaches return back to that coaching staff as a different role. I need to do research on how often that has been a thing because that's crazy in and of itself. And not only that, but the inaugural head coach for the franchise. I mean, that can't have happened that much because. Not many of them could have been, you know, alive for that amount of the time to where they could do that. So that's something in and of itself. But then you talk about D'Angelo Hall. I, I need, I wish, I wish we were eligible for, you know, all or nothing for hard knocks for one of these freaking programs because that would just be much watched television. This is the staff to do it with. But to be fair, a lot of the teams now do their own version of that, and hopefully. We get a little bit more. I mean, obviously, they won't get too far in depth because it is a team, so you got to protect the brand first and first and foremost. But uh, I got to see what practice is like with all, with all of those NFL greats. Well, I mean, with a bunch of guys that were that competitive, I look. I took a look at uh, Detroit's uh, with the, their hard, their version of hard knocks this uh, this off season. Very competitive. A lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of head button. I, I, I would expect to see that out of this staff. Bro. I mean, you, when you when you have that many alpha males in the room, that many guys that were successful. It's going to be interesting. I mean, it, it, it does kind of play into what may worry me about this staff is that there are so many great minds and too many who's going who's gonna to take the step back and just learn and just try and just try to assist and not overstep. I mean, that that's going to be the thing. I mean, I'm, and you don't have to worry about that on, on other coaching staffs. When guys that, that, are, that are young and no names, like they're, they're coming to learn, they're coming to play their role. Are these guys gonna, gonna gonna all do that? I mean, I, and while we would sit there and like to believe that that's an easy thing for everybody to do, when you consider some of these guys have been the best that have been the best at doing what they've done for the entirety of their lives, that's kind of hard to just take a take a hard left and take a step back. Uh, well, that'll be the most intriguing thing for me to see as the season progresses. Absolutely, I think you know you look at i mean hell i'll be interested to see what happens when steve smith comes into practice field and sees d'angelo hall on the other side of the field they might do board they might set up a board drill first time they see each other that might be what happens <laughs> right then and there i mean that was the craziest thing to me that's why i i chuckled a little bit when he even said freaking d'angelo hall because i forgot and it's like hearing that we hired santana moss as our wide receivers coach it's yeah, that same yeah. kind of realm but i think another interesting one i th- I, I see what you're talking about because i i, I would find it hard pressed for d'angelo hall to not, you know, he's hopefully being a first-time coach, he will kind of take the step back and try to learn and, you know, see what it's like being a coach. But as a, especially, we know defensive backs are not the quietest individuals. They're not the most, you know, sit back and let others tell you what to do individuals, um, especially guys like D'Angelo Hall. So that will be interesting to see. The only other one I could see that might not necessarily cause issues, but I could see there being some, you know, some bumping of, of philosophies, and it depends on how much reign he's given is Thomas Brown and and Deuce Staley, you know, both being running backs, both being those kind of minded guys and playing for, you know, storied SEC programs as well. I, I could see there necessarily being a conflict, but that's where I could see some some of the crossfire. 
between the two of them in terms of establishing, right. especially with when you talk about our running game, when Frank Wright more than likely is going to go more on the over the air like he has. But when you have these guys, Foreman, Hubbard, you know, whoever we might bring about as well. So I think that could be where you see a little bit. Yeah, of but let's not. But let's not read too much into that because the reason that Deuce Staley wasn't the offensive coordinator, right? I mean, at the end of the day, we were looking for that innovation, right? And so that innovation is going to come from that younger mindset. Brown coming from Sean McVay, Sean McVay being the most innovative coach that we've seen besides Kyle Shanahan in recent times. I think that gave him the leverage also with that too. Deuce Staley, let's be 100% honest, he's a guru of running backs. I mean, he got, he got swift running like a freaking monster up in Detroit. He got um, back when he was in Philly and he had LaShawn McCoy. He had LaShawn McCoy resurging off of injuries, being thought of as a, as a has-been, and really brought LaShawn McCoy back into the fold of being one of the top-tier running backs. So that's his forte. That's his bread and butter. You know what I mean? And I think you, what, you, what you will find, if, 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 if I'm looking at this as a utopic view, you know, I think Frank Reich chose them to be in their positions because of what they bring to the table and knowing that their personalities will mesh in the way that it will need to mesh. Now, to your point, I will say throughout a season, you see the frustration, right? You see the frustration when you're losing, when you're not calling the plays correctly, when the efficiency seems off. We will see that frustration. That's going to be the key to see how they work in tandem as a as a, as a a coaching staff. But I think overall... I keep looking at this staff and it's, I, I am very surprised at how we were able to get each of these, each of these guys in. And it seems like they all come from a different path and they all kind of come from a different era almost. Right. You got Deuce and D'Angelo almost similar in where they came from. Right. And then you've got the offensive coordinator who's what years behind them, almost, almost a decade behind them. And then you got camping who could be their father almost, right? And then you got Jim Caldwell, who could almost who be their, their godfather. Father. Right, right. And you got their godfather, right? And you got Ivaro, who who is, is, is of the Gruden tree, who's young enough and still has the knowledge of some of these older guys. To me, this is just a very interesting um, blend of people. And I can't wait to see what they bring to the forefront. The other side of that, to, uh, to your point, Shantice, you talked about if they won't be here long term. They may not be here long term, but who's to say that what we build here won't be as special as what they built on or what they have built over out in uh, San Francisco. Now, Salah left because he knew that that was his short reign to be a head coach and he's doing what he needs to do. Um, outside of that, though, who's really left Shanahan? If you think about it from a coaching oh. perspective, right? So that's what well, I'm Well, I, Mike, that. Oh. Well, when Mike Moe was the kid oh, uh, in Miami, oh, yeah. Mike Dane. Is he just left, and, though, right? He just and, left. And D'Amico. And D'Amico just left. So those are like, what, three in the last – how long has Shanahan been a coach? I mean, they got to a Super Bowl with before they both left. Yeah. But, uh, it's, been, it's been about five about years five now. five years, right? Five. So, so he's only lost – he only lost two head coaches, two head coaches in the last two years. Besides that, Solid was – no, three head coaches in the last three years. His first two years, everybody stayed put. So – I'm not too worried about that. I, I mean, you got D'Angelo, to your point, you got D'Angelo Hall being first time, Josh McCown being first time. So they're getting their feet wet, what I think with a very, very good club. I think the main thing that I'm, I'm very, very, very interested in is how they will develop what we have and what they bring in. Because we're talking quarterback, a thousand percent, Josh McCown, you got your work cut out for you, buddy. Let's see what you got. 
Yeah. And you know, I think you made a good point about it, Jason, in terms of not there being that much conflict. And I think that's more so, um, more so about the fact that also we were, you know, we were waved off with a very head bashing coaching staff and a hodgepodge yeah. of people. This is a, yeah. this is a more direct and, a, and, and, and planned out group of guys, like you said, where the last staff was just, you get a coaching job, you get a coaching job, let's throw you in here, let's throw you in here. And then that's where we saw the clashing philosophies. And we were told, you know, hey, Wilkes is arguing with Phil Snow. Phil Snow's barely listening. He's not even awake. You got Ben Mack. He's like, ah, oh, just call a play. It's fine. We're good. So you're, we're not going to get that as much here. You're right. Or at all here. So I, I agree with that. And it's, it is just, it's wild. It's just wild to see the group of guys that have come come to pass and just the different, you know, all the different backgrounds. And and you can say what you will about Tepper, but he shied away from any sort of wrongful appointment of the job in terms of we saw who Reich wanted to put in these positions, and now we have the only coaching staff in the NFL with two black men at coordinator positions and two guys who have not just, you know, they've worked for that role and have earned it very well. And so I think that's going to show that's outside of outside of everyone else. I think the coordinators is where I'm the most concerned about leaving right off the bat. And that, but that even yeah. happened with Rivera. You know, like you said, you talk about Shanahan, how many he lost Rivera lost this just the same amount. You know, he had two head coaches leave in his span. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's not unheard of and it doesn't stop you from being successful so long as you have those backup plans put in place. And I think we've seen, that I can imagine if Reich had this list put in place, he also had a list to go, okay, and if he leaves next year, this is who I want to talk to. You know, this is who I'm looking at. I think that's the biggest thing that I thought was going to happen was that he was going to take his brother from Wingate. He's been the head football coach over there for a long time and has been a successful one at Wingate, and I thought he might bring him, take him off the roster and, and bring him to Carolina. But I think that's the thing with Frank is that Frank has just seemed very – very direct with all of this and very segmented out with how he's wanted to do this. And it makes me feel that much better about the draft as well, because, you know, we've got a lot of big position groups that we're trying to figure out. And my question to y'all is, so you have, you know, a great developer of running backs, both at offensive coordinator and at running back coach. We've got a great a, a coach at wide receiver coach who I think could be, could be comparable to a Ricky Prohl kind of guy who's played in the league, who has, you know, the family, his league is in this family and is able to facilitate development for receivers who one's already developed and we've got some younger guys. Now that we have those positions in place and we've got, you know, again, another cornerback coach, we're going to see how he's going to do. Do you think the hiring and the appointments will affect how the later rounds of the draft go with some of the positions, you know, running back wide receiver weren't necessarily your top priority, but do you take advantage of who we've got under the helm now and try to throw some guys in there? I, absolutely. I think your late round picks this year, if you decide to keep them, it was it's especially considering what you're being rumored to do with some of your early picks. Those late round picks are going to mean a lot more. So, yeah, you need to have guys that can develop, need to have guys that have the experience. We don't really have a lot of time for coaches that are still trying to find their way. We need guys with, with, with the, with, you know, with a high level of experience that can accelerate the growth of some of these younger guys. Um so yeah, I think that I, like like you said, like when you when you spoke to her earlier about this staff being put together strategically, yeah, absolutely. Because I think they're looking to make a big play here in the draft. I mean, at least they're being rumored to. Whether they decide to or not, having the staff in place to be able to facilitate that would would be vital. And it seems like they have that right now. Yeah, yeah. I think I think the draft is going to be critical 
in that to your point, the later rounds are going to be much more uh, important, especially if let's be 100 percent honest, if we get to the, our pick at number nine, all the quarterbacks we wanted are gone. Or all the quarterbacks we were considered to take and being gone. We go for the best player on the board. In the later rounds, there may be a quarterback there that we may take. That may not be the blue chip that you thought of in a quote-unquote Josh Allen, but could end up being your – I don't want to say Tom Brady because I hate using that as an example. But like your Tom yeah, Brady Brock being Purdy, drafted. How about that? <laughs> yeah, your Brock yeah, Let's Purdy. go with that. Let's go, let's go with Brock. Brock or let's Dak go, or something yeah, yeah. like that. You know what I mean? So, so, you know, that that is, that, that, that is something that we have to consider. The one thing I would tell you is if you look at the experience just between camping, Caldwell, uh, Capers, just those three alone, what is that? Almost 40 years of coaching, if not more. So I'm not worried about the development piece. The, the one thing I'm more worried about than anything is that we keep talking quarterback and we're going to reach too far to do it. And I, we're going to give up too much to get there. And that's my main concern, but I'm not worried about the coaching staff being able to facilitate getting these guys up to par, ready to play, getting these guys up to par, putting them in positions to be successful, getting the organization back in row, back in lock, lock form and focused, ready to push for winning the NFC South. I think we've got the pieces in place to do so. I think the one thing that we discussed at the end of last season, I don't think that we're giving enough credit to is Scott Fitterer, right? Fitty went out there and did some things that, we talked about last season, we were really excited about some of the moves he made from a personnel perspective. But now going out and assembling this coaching staff along with Tepa, along with Wright, I mean, honestly and truthfully, we got to get we got to tip our hat to Fitty. I think Fitty has come to bat and has really put a good star on paper, a good product on paper for us to be excited about to go into the season. Absolutely. And like I said, that made me feel more more enthused about the draft and make me feel more enthused just about this team. And that's wild to think because you talked about assistant coaches aren't supposed to be what makes you excited about your roster. That's right. And now that could, like you said, lead to a bit more, it could lead to more harm than good. If we go balls to the wall for how excited we are, you know, if that's all we do, that's a problem. If that's where the excitement stops, then we have a real issue. And we like, you know, this roster still has major holes that it needs to fill. If Mm -hmm. you know the quarterback situation it's tough. I think the stat came out today. We uh, have started nine head coach or nine quarterbacks, and it's the Anthony Wright. Anthony Wright. Thank yeah. you, Sean. Teams. I- what like six or like more? It was like six or seven teams that have started eight or nine quarterbacks in the last like since 2015. I think it was the and and, and that's a double <clears throat> a double edged sword in itself because you get into that catch 22 of quarterbacks where you can draft another one. And it could not pan out, and you just have to get another one down the road, or you can go for an uh, experienced guy that don't work, and you should have drafted, and you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. Personally, now the way this is sitting out, and the way we're looking at it now, especially with the way he's built this roster, I was the biggest guy saying, you know, you might want to wait a year, you might want to get, you know, a guy, and then have a vet to bridge that gap. But if this is the coaching staff that we're going right now, like Sean T said, and we're swinging for something then, you know, it might not be the worst idea to swing for the fences. Uh, and, and at this point, too, I don't think people understand how bad you have Drake May and Caleb Williams anyway. Yeah. Like, to yeah. even get those guys, this roster's way too good for that. You got to be the Texans. I mean, now, you got to be the Texans. You got to be the Texans to get those guys. Yeah. 
you you have to really try to be this. You have to really try to be bad. I mean, and I was not good. Like had looked like a good team a couple weeks this season. Like this season, right. Right, and I understand, and I, and I completely understand why the Bears will be looking to possibly trade off Justin Fields, considering the fact that you lost ten games in a row. Like, it, I can see, I can see why I, I would probably consider it too. But yeah, but we're we're never gonna be in that position to be at the top of the draft, at least not for a little while. You're gonna have to just roll with one of these guys, and I mean, either either load up the picks, ship them out, and go get go get the guy that you want. Or sit back, wait, and take who's gonna be there, and, and 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 try to make that work. Either way, I will say either way, unless you go get Stroud or Young, you're gonna be signing a veteran to help help bridge you and, and you know help bridge bridge that young quarterback into being a starter. Unless you unless, like, unless I, I don't unless unless Shantice, and I know this is a this is a, a really wild unless unless there are conversations being had behind the scenes right now. With and I, I know you guys are going to disagree with, me, with the Matt Corral, with the Sam Darnold. I don't know if we're going. I don't think we bring him back. I don't want Sam to start for us. I really don't. But for this next year, to look at what we've got, because let's be at the hundred percent honest. We can all sit here and talk about what we saw from Matt Corral. What did you see him all for? A hot lunch and a snack. We never got a chance yeah. to see his full body of work. And let's be hundred percent honest. Under that coaching staff, Jack. Tom Brady wouldn't have looked bad coming out at that at, at that range at that <laughs> level, right? And so I'm not I'm not, I'm not going to hat on the fact that Matt Corral was a mistake or a washed up situation. What I will hang my hat on is if this coaching staff can't bring the best out of what we've got, there's a bigger problem at hand with the players that we've selected, and that's what I'm saying about overreaching for a quarterback. I don't want to overreach for a quarterback because, oh, you should get a C.J. Stroud. Oh, you should get a Bryce Young. Yeah, you probably should on paper, but does that fit what we're trying to do? And that's the key. What are we trying to do and what are we trying to put out there? And if a Matt Corral can be developed underneath, I know we don't want to say Uncle Sam for another year, then we take Uncle Sam for another year at a discount and we figure it out. But I wouldn't want to waste a Matt Corral pick just to say that he sucks because we only saw him for a hot meal and a lunch under Matt. See, the, the issue I have, with, I don't have an issue with Matt Corral getting this shot. I actually do want to see that. Like, throughout the offseason, throughout training camp, I want to see Matt Corral improve and see what he looks like under a coaching staff that we think is actually legitimate. You know, the issue is Sam's only 25. Sam's not playing to be a backup for a mentor to anybody. He's still playing for his livelihood in this league. But he's not. I don't get think it, that's he's, the guy. He's not gonna get it. He's gonna be a Baker Mayfield at best. Do. He's gonna be a Baker Mayfield best. Hey, he may be, but he's still fighting to have a starting position. He's not fighting to be somebody's mentor. I, I can tell you right now, I'd much rather have Jacoby Brissett, even though I don't oh. like, even though I don't like his game overall. Even though I don't really care for his game overall and he's not making me a playoff team, that's at least the guy I know who knows his role at Haley. I'm here to mentor and bridge. That's it. There ain't there, there is nothing else going on here. I, I, I'm not a guy in line Shanti, for a big contract. Shanti, Sam got him there. Sam is 25. He's fighting for another payday. If, he's not fighting just to be on a roster at this point. Shanti, she's not getting a payday. I mean, it's not about what he can get. It's what he's. It's what he's going to try to fight for. You have to look at the coaching staff we have put in place because if there's anyone that could pry 
quarterback talent out of the depths of Sam Darnold from wherever dark part it sits. It's two quarterbacks who have played in the league, had a history in the league of being underwhelming, uh, not underwhelming guys, but underdogs. I mean, look at, I'm not saying that they would allow him to be a starter or they would get that from him, but who, if there's anyone who believes in Sam Darnold, in this league, I got to imagine it's Josh McCown and Frank Reich that think that maybe he has the potential to do so. Now, they could clearly still also see the writing on the wall at the same time. But I, to Shantice's point, if they have him on this roster and we have still have somebody else, if it's him and Matt Corral, they're not looking for Matt Corral to go off because at this, I really don't think they are at this point in time. And they're looking to see can we get something out of Sam Donald? Can we make him a good quarterback? If it's Sam and you know, I disagree. I disagree. I disagree. I think the writing on the wall has been written for Sam Donald. I think what I think honestly and truthfully, we should look to see what Matt Corral can provide. And if we look, Matt Corral can't provide what we're looking for, then we already know not this year, but next year we're looking for a quarterback. I just don't want to take the first round pick or the or the pick that we used on Matt Corral last year as a waste because he got injured in a injured in a in a debacle of a coaching season. We don't know what he could have been or what that potential was. All we saw was what Matt Rule tried to put out there on the field. And he thought PJ Walker was a starting quarterback. Let's not even give him any sort of any sort of any, any sort of bearing or knowledge of what we think a quarterback should be. But Shantice, I do agree with you though. Sam Donald may have that chip on his shoulder with the coaching regime, but Sam Donald gotta know his limitations at this point. And he is who he it's like it's like it's like my man Denny Green said, he is who we thought he was. <laughs> Period. <laughs> but and, and and but you know to be fair, I I wouldn't necessarily that high on Corral. And if I'm looking at the talent level of Corral and Sam, it's not like there's a vast gap. You know, like I'm just like, oh, I got, I just got I just gotta have Corral. You know what I'm saying? Like, I get it, like, I get it. If it was and unless Will was, was, was laying face down, face up in that turf, grabbing his ankle, that injury had nothing to do with the coaching staff. He'll get injured. <laughs> Again, in this coaching staff, that's where like you can't just chop that up to who who he was coaching with, and and look at Corral uh, and and Donald, he wasn't knowing his he wasn't knowing his limitations up until the Bucks. He didn't know his limitations. He was playing like he didn't have no, limitations. He had Jack, no interceptions. No, the Jack, and stop, that was an Jack, interim stop. head coach. Wilkes and defensive minded head coach with that. So can you Jack stop? The, Jack the stop. Ego he's he's been get? seeing ghosts. He sees ghosts. I am. We, saw, I, he's, I, he's, we we know. We already know who he is. Look. Look, but we saw how quick how quickly he looked. He just looked different when you have a coach that has a has a a well thought out plan. Like, hey, look, this is what we're gonna be. Don't do nothing else. This is it. It's all we want from you, Sam. And, Jason, and you, you saw him. You were on the other side when he we, when we signed him. You heard our reaction. We're not <laughs> vying for him. We don't want him. You're right. You're right. We're seeing. And I am. I'm looking at the crystal ball, and I can see a future. Where at well we go where we go to who's they haven't announced week one have they I know they put the home in the way but I don't think they didn't oh uh, yeah I don't think they've announced like the, the dates where yet I, I guarantee you I, I I'll put money on it right now I, whatever the betting is we open hosting the Colts I guarantee I will guarantee no they can't do that they can't do that I they will guarantee that look at the last two years the last two years they tried we it. hosted the Browns and then we hosted the Jets. That is a script for you. If uh, and that was getting Baker Mayfield as a starter and then getting Sam Donald as a starter, we hosted the two of them in Bank of America. I swear to you, I swear we to you, you can, it is we February 20th, 2023. I guarantee you, we are opening up against the Colts. And uh, the other thing about Matt Corral, too, and I, I, I really, and, and again, let me preface by saying I do want to see the kid get his shot. 
But, for example, if he was in this 23 class, where would Matt Corral be for you guys in this in, in this class? Just out of the top four guys that we look at right now that are in the 23 class, where does Matt Corral rank among those? I would put him over Will Levis solely because I yes. don't like Kentucky. No, I would put him over Will Levis. I, would. I wouldn't. You know, you, you want to know where Corral's go? You want to know where Corral's at for me in this class, bro? Six, seven. He's fifth. Well, fifth out of the guys that out of the top on, four. On, on the That's top not four, even serious. Some of the, the top four, we going Bryce Young. So the top, so the top four is yeah, Bryce Young, Stroud, Levis, and Richardson. However you want to, however you want to, you know, okay. put those guys. He's fifth. Yeah. From a physical standpoint, from from a the, uh, the skill of playing quarterback, he's not better at playing quarterback than than, than Bryce Young, and they're the same size. He's not better at playing quarterback than CJ Stroud, and Stroud's got a physical component to his game that. Corral doesn't have. Levis has a more physical component that I, that I like more than Corral, and so does Richardson. And I, and, so, and I'll frame it up this way for you too, because I like that. I, I like that comparison. I'll frame it for you this way, at the risk of Jeff jumping through the ceiling and yelling at me. <laughs> Tannehill <laughs> retires this year, right? Tannehill retires right. his off season. Are the Titans mm-hmm. then trying to trade up to draft a quarterback, or are they riding with Malik well, Willis? They're going to get. They're going to get Aaron Rodgers. So if you didn't see enough from Malik Willis, who was touted as the most NFL ready talent of that class do you really think we were going to see enough we a saw even in that little bit enough from corral or we're going to see enough to trust him when we didn't even think he was the most nfl ready caliber player and was going to need like it's not like he's going to come up this year and be ready to be a starter that's the problem and the guy we need needs to be ready to be a starter matt corral is not only he already needed three years when he got this gig now set back a year not getting any playing time at all not being able to be on the bench yeah, we didn't. It's just like we didn't get a chance to even see what he was. That's what you I'm saying. Like, that's my and, point. And that sucks for him. Shanties, that sucks. That's my point. That's my point. My point is, we sit here and we 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 down this kid. We dog this kid. But and I get what you're saying, Jack. You're saying NFL ready, right? Let's talk about NFL ready. Um, I'm not. I'm not sold on that NFL ready label as much. Neither anymore. am I. You know, uh, McCarron out, out, <laughs> out of Alabama that got drafted by the Cincinnati Bengals. He was NFL ready. Carson now, you Wentz, all know what that NFL ready looked like, right? Not NFL ready. So I'm not buying NFL ready. What I would tell you is I hate the fact the kid got injured when he got injured and the coaching staff he got injured under. Now, if he would have gotten injured under a Rivera staff or under another staff, we have been able to look at it differently. I just want to see him having this whole season to sit, rehab, look at the debacle, right? Coming in now with fresh set of eyes with this coaching staff. They're looking at him. They're working with him now. Let's not kid ourselves. They're talking to him now. They're seeing where he is. They're working with him over filming all of that now. Him coming in the training camp, I will tell you, if he comes in the training camp and he looks as raw as he did last year, just off of book knowledge and understanding an offense and a defense in the NFL, then yes, we have a bigger issue. But if he's only coming in with kind of speed and technique part of being a quarterback in the NFL, that's going to take time for him to warm up in the battle-tested grounds, period, in the discussion. And I think if he goes about this as professional as he seems to be, he may surprise us all. We could be talking, I could be wrong like I was wrong about your tier models. I could be wrong like I was wrong about Baker Mayfield. 
But I'm just saying, let's give this man. That's, <laughs> that's, let's just that's let's just give this man a chance. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Let's give this man a chance. I, you know, look, man. Look, unfortunately for him, right? This game don't wait for nobody. True, true, Chantes. I don't disagree. <laughs> true, true. It, it don't wait. And in that phone call that he got from Fred Reich, I can go ahead and tell you that first that, that first call was like, "Hey, look at all." Hey, you know, hey, you know, you fighting for that roster spot, right? <laughs> like, like, you know, hold on, like, hold you know, we'll be back. Like, Corral you know, what we're doing with the first pick. Matt Corral or Eason? No, I, I guess Corral by default. That's like Matt saying, Corral that's like saying Burger King or, or Hardee's. What, <laughs> I guess. So, Matt Corral, so Matt, I guess, Corral, Matt Corral or PJ? I guess Corral by default. Matt Corral or PJ? Well, well, hold up now. I mean, could Matt Corral <laughs> make that throw to DJ Moore that game? I, I mean, I, I haven't seen enough of Corral. I'll be honest with you. Even off the college tape, I prop PJ still will be kind of be like, so here's, here's, I may have to leave PJ on that one. From, here's the driving factor for me. We talk about taking advantage of the NFC South. We saw the report today, whether or not it's a bunch of hullabaloo, it still stro- it struck some fear in my heart to see that there's a very possible apparent chance of Lamar going to Atlanta. Yeah. Lamar goes going to Atlanta. Miami. We don't know what Tampa Bay's going to do. I have no idea what they're doing. But, but stop, but stop, Miami. Jason. J- J- but listen to me. And, unless yeah, like that doesn't happen. Now, if that doesn't happen, they have Mariota or Desmond Ritter. It's fine. Jameis Winston's still in New Orleans. Uh, that's fine. You know, it's, or, you know, freaking um, Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton. No matter me. Tampa Bay, Lord knows what's going to happen in Tampa Bay. They'll probably end up getting Jimmy Garoppolo or Trey Lance at the end of this year. I, I don't know what's going to happen there. To me, though, you talk about taking advantage of the NFC South as a team. I just, if you want to do it this year or in the next year, and you have, again, it's like we talked about when this was all going down, when Matt Ryan had left Atlanta, Tom Brady, we didn't know if he, you know, he retired for a week and a half. We thought, okay, we need to take over the NFC South. It's that same thing. You got to tell me right now you're confident with taking over the NFC South this season with a question mark that's Matt Corral, because I think he does have a ceiling like you're talking about, but he, with that ceiling comes with a very low floor, and that's what scares me. Yeah, I, listen, Jack, I agree with you. Like, me saying Matt Corral is going to take over the NFC South, it's crazy. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that in the least. I, I promise you I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is give this kid a chance, man. Just give this kid a chance. That's all I'm saying. He going to have a the- chance. He going to have his chance when that night – when we take that ninth pick at quarterback, he'll have a chance. He'll still oh be there. Yeah, oh he can still god. compete. Oh my god! Because Pete, you got to imagine PJ probably won't be on the roster anymore. No, he's not. He's gone. He's gone. I would rather have him than Easy. That's a whole other He'll be the new quarterback um, coach in 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 uh, in Nebraska. That's- See, if he leaves Baltimore. Or if then that goes down, he's going to Miami. He's going home. I don't see him going. He's going into a worse situation than he was in um, um in Baltimore. Unless they give him the money, but the money ain't all. I mean, well, I guess he wants to win. He wants to ring. Yeah, you're not getting a ring in my in, in Atlanta. You're not getting a ring in Atlanta. You're not. 100% he'll get a ring with us before Atlanta. This is true. I mean, I agree. I, I agree. I agree. It's just the fact that Atlanta's going to be willing. They, they are more than willing to put what together the package to go get them. Right. So you know what I'm saying? Like, it, it's about desperation. We're not as... They're going to get rid of the whole Kyle Pitts situation and all of that. 
Then where does Lamar? I'm not saying it would work, but if they still get him, is what I'm saying. Like it's not going to get them. God, man, there's no way that happens. He's his own agent. He's not even going to go into the room and have that conversation. He's not. I hope he would be smart enough to know that he's not going to get, like, once you go, once you have a team trade for it, it's like, all right, like, you know when Melo got traded to New York? Like, all right, once we, Melo, you know once they get you, right? We ain't got no money right. left. They ain't nothing left. What you want us to do, my guy? Like, 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 you're here. Like, you're here, but okay, enjoy it. Hope you enjoy the yeah. city. Magic City Monday, Monday are your tried favorite. To get some extra money, and they didn't want it. Calvin really tried to get yeah. us some extra money, and look where he is now. He's in purgatory. He's sitting around waiting. He tried to get the Falcons some extra money to get the quarterback, and then it got screwed. I, like I said, I just I, – I, it scares me either way. It really does. And now it's not like, you know – it's funny because back when we had no direction, I was like, all right, you know, take your time. Figure out what you want to do with the quarterback. Don't rush it. Now we have a clear and present direction, and it seems like we have an idea ideology that alludes to success early on. So that's where my go right now. You know, with rule, we were begging. You know, strike while the iron's hot. You know, we have the ability to take over the South. That was a, a an empty promise and a lost cause from the get go. We know that now, and you know we could we could turn around and say you know we need to to, to play it slow. But when you especially see, I mean, take a look at Philly. You, you know, you, they obviously fell short. You have the, the two different forms of success right now are the Chiefs. You have it with the Chiefs. And, of course, with the way they got their quarterback, yeah. it alludes to that. You know, not jumping high up in the draft, hoping the pieces fall where they may, and getting incredibly, incredibly lucky with one of the most undercovered talents to ever walk through the draft outside of maybe Tom Brady. And so that's one formula. You know, you wait, you pay your dues, you wait your time, you build your team up, you get your coaches, and it works out. Prior to the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl, though, that was not how Super Bowl teams were made in the last two, three years. The last two, three Super Bowl winners were built that season. They got their big guy, they got their draft picks, and then they made two or three trades in the middle of the season. Odell Beckham, you get Antonio Brown, you get Legarrette, you know, you get all you get all these different guys in the in the season, and you make these moves to get the Super Bowl that year screw whatever happens the next year. I don't necessarily think Tepper's going to do that because I think he thinks more like a businessman than he does, you know, yeah. let's strike while the iron's hot. But it shows that formula for success. And the Eagles were right there with it. Eagles in the span of that year, look at the guys they got in the draft and in the trades this year. And in free agency, they had tried to formulate that and they were just, I don't want to say one piece short. And I wish I say this every freaking time I watch the Eagles, we would have had the foresight to draft Jalen Hurts, but you know who we drafted instead in that round? Jason, your main man. We drafted him instead, well above Jalen Hurts. I'll let you say it. I'll let you say who we drafted. Nah, I'm not saying it. I'm not going there with you, Jack. I'm not going back. No, <laughs> we drafted the Wi-Fi router instead of drafting Jalen Hurts. Like I rem- You can go back to that live stream oh, and watch Shantice and I get so upset because we're like, look at Jalen Hurts is still on the board. We could get a quarterback right now and have a guy – for the future and be set regardless because the Eagles seem to be missing like one piece there. I think that you have the ability now to strike while the iron's hot, especially in the NFC South and not going to lie because we all saw the talent outside of the Eagles, you know, the 49ers, they came into fruition and would have been fine if they had, if they, if the NFL would allow you to bring more than two quarterbacks in outside of that though, and if the NFC, we knew the NFC was going to be wide open. We knew yeah. our division. Yeah. We knew the rest of the NFC was going to be wide open, and it will continue to be wide open next year. Yeah, the way it looks, yeah. you know, right now you'll see some teams. The Lions will continue to make a push. 
You'll see the Eagles continue to cape on. You'll see the NFC South have nobody. You'll see the 49ers continue what they were doing. So you'll have your guys, but there's a real chance, especially next season. And I think that's where I'm like, all right, you know, everything could be so think about the league, how it was two years ago. Tell me how it looked two years ago. Cause I don't remember how crazy it was and how much has changed in the span of just two years with the guys that are at the helm and the talents that are there. You know, the Packers implode in that time but frame. That's the nature of the league right now. No team, no organization looks the same year in and year out, except for the Chiefs. And we remember when they got rid of Tyreek Hill, they were supposed to be dead. I think that was the biggest thing, right? But it goes to point to the fact that they kept their core nucleus together of a good seven to eight players. If you're talking Kelsey, Mahomes, uh, the 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 uh, Chris, Chris Jones, Jones yeah, Frank so Clark, you had your core there, right? You didn't lose much in your coaching staff. Chris Lamonts, don't forget yeah. about Chris Lamonts. But you, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> But anyway, I'm not. I try to be serious on this show. I try to. I'm have, sorry. I try to... I'm, sorry. I, I'm at a point of delirium with this with this with this team. I really am. I can't. I I can't. I can't take another curveball this season. That's what I'm trying to tell you. I, know. I, I cannot I know. take another curveball of this. I know. Because we have spent the the better part of four years now trying to get a grasp on what is going on and just talking like if you go back and listen to our first episode. Our first episode back in, I want to say it was like Jan. It was like January, January twenty twenty. I think it was January twenty twenty, maybe December of twenty nineteen. You go listen to our first episode, and then now, God, I, I can't like if you if we could play this episode for the guys then, just the pandemonium that would ensue, (laughs) and and I might honestly go and just find the the episode in the vault and post it. Be like, hey, this is what it was like. This is what we were doing yeah, only that much longer ago. But look at that's what we like for season six. The Panthers, if anything, have given us a bunch to talk about, and one of the better times to start a, a podcast for an NFL organization we could have ever seen. And so, again, we want to thank you all for tuning in and listening and continuing to come with us week in and week out. We're going to be posting regularly again. We're back from our break, getting ready for the draft, getting ready for free agency. We got a lot to talk about. We know it's a dead horse that we've been beating for four years about quarterback in the draft. So don't worry. We're going to make sure to to get every last drop out of this cash cow before it's all said and done. That's why – see, that's another reason, Jason, before we wrap up. I don't want to get a finish. I don't want to settle because I want to keep talking about it. I want to keep having – we need content. We need to keep having talking points. We do. Yes, we sir. do need – oh, trust me. Oh, wait till, oh, wait till next week. It's a bunch. It's a bunch that I didn't say this episode. I'm saving for next week. Trust me. We got something for next week, too. You're going to want to tune in. But until then, of course – Keep pounding.